when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now the text that was read in your hearing this morning is from Luke chapter 14, in verse 15 through 24. And it has to do with a, an illustration that Jesus is using to tell us something about the kingdom. As we start reading the New Testament... The primary emphasis that we run into to begin with in the ministry of Jesus is surrounding the topic of the kingdom of God. So when Jesus talks about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the, and the record tells us that he's talking about the kingdom of God, he's introducing us to something about a relationship that we have with God, and he's calling it the kingdom. And so we find him using different illustrations to tell us something about the kingdom. And this text actually says, at verse 15, it says, When one of them that sat at meat with him, they were eating a meal, uh, they heard these things. He said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of, of God. Now that's what the, this fellow said to Jesus. And then Jesus set forth an illustration. Now, when Jesus is talking in the New Testament... He's using illustrations, and he's using parables, and he's using uh, some incidents in order to try to describe to us something about the kingdom. That was his purpose. When John the Baptist first came upon the scene, he said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. So that's exactly what Jesus said. When he came, the first message he set forth was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he told the apostles as he, after he had trained them for a while and had inspired them with the Holy Spirit, he said, go out and preach the kingdom of God is at hand. So they were talking about the kingdom. Therefore, as we read the New Testament, we're, we're reading illustrations. Jesus is saying, I want to tell you something about the kingdom. And I'll describe it in different ways. And so he describes the kingdom here, something about the kingdom. He describes it as a man who is giving, as it says, a great feast. This man is going to give a great feast. And he has sent out invitations. And then after the invitations, when the time was come and the supper was ready, he sent a servant out and said, go get the guest. And you, we, read, we read the story. The guest said, no, we, we're not coming. And they gave three different reasons. Now, I want to tell you something before we get too far along in this. That is, it wasn't just three people that he invited. There are three reasons, three, three excuses that were given, not reasons, but excuses. There are three excuses given as to why they would not come. But basically, we have to keep in mind that this wasn't a small dinner party. This was a huge banquet. It says he made a great supper. And the word great is from the word, Greek word, mega. It was a mega event. It was a huge event. It was a great supper. This man went to a lot of expense. And he went to a lot of trouble. And he made a great supper. And it wasn't like he just exposed them to it right away. It wasn't like he just, just all of a sudden he bursted upon them and said, come, come to supper tonight. It says he had sent out invitations. He said he had invited them before. 
He, then he made his great supper. He sent the invitations out. And then when the time came that they were supposed to be there, he sent his servants to get them. Now, we know what a dinner party is like, and we know what a great event is like. And a great event usually involves somebody coming to get you in a limousine, maybe, and bringing you back to the supper in our day and age. That's what these servants did. They went out to get the people and bring them back. And they ran into three different excuses. Now, keep in mind that it's a lot of people coming, many, many people coming, and I'll show you that in just a minute, why he would say something like that. There were many people coming, and therefore it was a huge supper, and therefore when he sent out his servants to get them, he sent them at the time when everything was ready, so they had had the invitations before, and now then the supper was prepared, and then they went out to get them, everyone who was previously invited, not on the spur of the minute, they had been previously invited, then the servant went to get them, which was an honor, wasn't it? If you're invited to a meal and then somebody sends somebody to get you, that's, that's an honor. So it was, a great, it was a great meal. He sent the servant to get them, and they had three excuses. Now, that doesn't mean, basically, that there were just three people coming to the, di to the dinner. It means that there were three excuses given by the people altogether. And the text says they, as one, decided not to come. And here are, the, here are the, some of the three excuses they gave. First of all, one said, well, I bought, some, I bought some property and I forgot to go see it. He was giving a financial reason why he couldn't come. Finances were in the way. The next one said, well, I, I bought some yokes of oxen. Six, I think it was six yokes of oxen, wasn't it? Or three? Five? <laughs> I got a signal. Five yoke of oxen. I, that kind of skipped my mind. Anyway, he bought some oxen. And he said, I, I've got to go out and see if they work. I've got to work. I have business to take care of. I have to work. And the next one said, I've married a wife and I cannot come. That was a personal matter. He had a family matter, or they had a family matter. So among those who said, we can't come, these are the three excuses given by all of them. One was business, financial, work, personal. The master of the house became angry. Now, if you've ever planned a party for someone, and you've let them know ahead of time, we're going to have a party. Can you come? Will you come? And, and generally, people would be kind enough and considerate enough to say, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that I could come. I'll have to check. But, but these people didn't do that. He planned the party, and they didn't say anything to him. They didn't say, no, I don't think we can come. We have other, thing, other things coming up. They waited until he actually sent the servants around, and now then they said, we're not coming. And he was angry. Why was the man angry? First of all, they, they weren't courteous to him. It was discourteous for them not to let him know in advance that they weren't coming. They were, they were disrespectful of his generosity. And they waited too late for him to make other plans for his party, for his, for his meal, for the great meal. The Lord of the servants sent them to bring those who did not feel especially entitled, so they didn't come. They said, no, we're not coming. So he said, okay, I want you to go out, and here's where I can tell you that he, it was a big meal and there was a lot of people invited. Because he told his servant, go out into the highways and get the poor and the maimed and the blind and bring those in, those who were dispossessed, those who were, who were not generally considered to be good guests, he said, go bring everybody in. And so the servant went out and rounded up as many people as he could. So it wasn't just a three-person party. It was a large party. He said, go get everybody. Go get everybody you can. Go bring the lame and the maimed and the blind and, the, and those who generally they, he wouldn't consider to come to a feast. And the servant came back and said, I got everybody I could, but there's still room. He said, go into the highways and the byways and find some more strangers. Bring them to my party. Well, this illustrates something about the kingdom of God. It obviously does. 
Since the kingdom is mentioned at the very outset, this tells us he's talking about the kingdom. Now, when we, when we think along those terms, we have to think about what was going on in this time with Jesus and with God and what is happening with him and his people. Let's, let's just go all the way back and say, okay, he's talking to the people of Israel, the descendants of a man called Abraham. And these, these descendants have been especially well treated all of their history. So God has taken care of these people for a long, long time. And during that period of time, during that period of time, he said, I'm going to make, uh, we're, going to have, we're going to have a great feast one of these days. And I'm going to invite you to that feast. It's going to be a feast. And he says, it's going to be a feast on the mountain, on the top of the mountain. I want, to, want you to look at a text in, in Isaiah chapter 25 with me. Because this, this talks about the very feast that he's talking about here in Luke 14. In, in Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6, it says, In this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees, well refined. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people, and the veil is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. He promised Israel, and that's who Jesus came to. Jesus came to Israel, who was at that point known as Jews, he promised them a feast. And here's this man in Luke 14 saying, Come to my feast. He's inviting the Israelites to come to the feast. That's basically what he's saying. The people in Jesus' day knew that there was a time coming like this. Now, that's what we have to keep in mind. You see, the text says that he made a great feast and he invited people to come. Now, that's what these people understood. That there was a time coming that God was going to bring them all to a feast. So we had the man making the great feast. That's the kingdom. In the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 7, when, when we're talking about Israel, it says, it says at verse 6, it said, You are a holy people unto the Lord your God. So he's talking about Israel being a special people. They were special because they were the descendants of Abraham. And he said, you are a special people unto the Lord. He's chosen you to be a special people above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. So these people knew that God loved them in a, in a very special way. And you know, that hasn't changed. People today still believe that the Jews are the special chosen people of God. And that they are entitled to the blessings of God and to the feast of God that nobody else is entitled to. It's theirs. It's their heritage. It's theirs because they are the descendants of Abraham. And so they are the ones who are supposed to be coming to the banquet. And in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15, the Bible says very clearly to Moses, said, I, will, I will lift up unto you a prophet like unto Moses. Unto him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. So they were expecting these people that Jesus was talking to in Luke 14. They were expecting to be invited to a great feast. And Moses was going to be the one, the prophet, there would be a prophet sent that will probably preside over that feast. And they thought it would be someone like Moses. That's why when they came to John the Baptist, when John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand, they came saying, are you that prophet? Are you the one? So they were expecting something like this. Well, can you imagine? And yet, the Bible says, the Master said, I've got the feast ready, come. They're saying, no, we're not coming. Sorry, we're not coming. We know you invited us. You invited us a long time ago. Isaiah chapter 25 said, we knew you were going to have a great feast. You, you, you expected to have us, and you've got everything prepared, and you even sent a prophet in the wilderness, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. We know you're going to do that. <coughs> and that was John the Baptist. He was the voice in the wilderness. 
He said, Repent ye, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the feast is here. It's time to come to the party. I've got it ready for you. And Jesus, when he came, he said, I, I'm, I'm going to go, first of all, I'm going to go ask all of my people to come. And so, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 6, he sent the apostles preaching the gospel. And he said, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, don't go to the house of the Samaritans. Don't go to the Gentiles. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Go invite my people to the feast. That's what he's saying. I, I think you would agree with me on that. Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. A, widow, a lady from Syrophoenicia came to Jesus and wanted him to help her with her daughter. And Jesus made the statement. He said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And yet, the house of Israel didn't want to come. They didn't want to come to his party. They, they, were, not, uh, they were not willing to come. They made excuses. We're, we're not coming. We're not coming. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21, verse 31, He said, Verily I say unto you, and here's the, here's the kicker, the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you do. They will come. They'll come to my banquet. They'll come to my feast. They'll go before you. You know, they had to be thinking things like that. And we'll tell you that in just a minute, tell you a little bit more about that. He said, they come into, come into the kingdom of God before you do. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him. Remember what John said? Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They said, well, we're not, we're not interested. He came with the invitation. He said, when you had seen it, you repented not afterwards that you might believe him. Some of the parables that we read in the New Testament that Jesus set forth about the kingdom illustrates his desire to bring those chosen people, the Jews at that time. They were Jews. They were Israelites, but they had they'd come into the southern area of the land of Israel, of Judea, and that's why they were called Jews. After the captivity, there was ten tribes that went north and kind of disappeared. And the two tribes stayed south, Judah, Benjamin, and Levite, or three tribes. And they became known as Jews. Now these are the people that God was saying, come to my banquet. Come to the feast on the mountain. John came saying, come on. They were all given an invitation. And the parables indicated that when the time came for this to happen, the, the Jews weren't going to have any part of it. We don't want it. We're the chosen people, but we're not coming to that feast. We're just not coming. I'm not going to come. And there's a reason for that. Part of the reason is they didn't like who came to invite them. In Matthew chapter 21, at verse 33, Jesus said unto them, Did you never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same as the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. The leading Jews of Jesus' day rejected the invitation and then bewailed the fact that the invitation was extended to the Gentiles over them simply because they refused. In response to the fact that Jesus had invited them and they didn't want to come, Jesus said, You will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And they will come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Everybody will come but you. Let's, let's get, a, let's get a, a, a concept of what was going on. Jesus came to Israel, to the Jews, and said, the time's ready, come come on. And they said, no, we're not coming. We're not, we're not, you're not the guy, you're not the one we want, and we're not coming. Not only are we not coming, we don't want anybody else to come. That was what happened. And they persecuted anyone who wanted to come into the kingdom. Now, as we read the New Testament, after Jesus died on the cross, and he was crucified by those to whom he came, the Israelites, 
He came to the Jews first, also the Gentiles. When he came to them, they crucified him. They put him away. No, we don't want you. So, why didn't they come to the party? Because they didn't like who the party was given in honor of. They didn't like Jesus. That's why they didn't come. They didn't like him. So there's several reasons. But the point is, they were not willing to accept the fact that there would be other people there that they didn't accept at the party. When the Apostle Paul was first chosen to preach, he was called Saul. Saul of Tarsus. In Acts chapter 9, he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians because they had believed in Jesus Christ and they had accepted the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the head of the kingdom. He was the king of the kingdom. And so he was sent, he sent himself, basically, he, he went with letters from the leading authorities in Judaism to take the Christians and bring them bound back to Jerusalem. On his way, a bright light shone round about him, and he fell to his knees and he lost his sight, and he was sent into the street that's called Straight in the city of Damascus. And Ananias came to him and said, uh, Brother Saul, you can receive your sight. Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Saul was, at that point, he realized that Jesus was the Christ. And he arose, he was baptized like we should be when we hear the gospel of Christ. We're baptized into Jesus Christ. He was baptized and he rose. And, and Jesus said, I'm going to send you far hence unto the Gentiles. Now, why send them to the Gentiles? How about sending them back to the Jews? Well, that's what Paul started to do. His name was Saul at that time. So he decided right away he would talk to his people. He went into Damascus and he tried to talk to his people and they tried to kill him. He had to escape by night. They let him down from the wall overnight so he could get away. He said, hey, hey. I'm going to go talk to my people in Jerusalem. That's where I came from. So he went back to Jerusalem and guess what? They wanted to kill him. He had to flee from Jerusalem. Here were the people that God was saying, come to the party. Come to the banquet. Everything's ready. Come. And they're saying, hey, we're not coming. Not only are we not coming, you're not going either. We're going to kill you. And he escaped. He left. And all during his career, while he was trying to preach the gospel, and he started preaching the gospel to everyone, he started out with the Jews. He went to them every time he came to a city. He went to the synagogue where the Jews were, his brethren, the people that should have been the first ones to come to the party. And they rejected him. And so he would preach to the Gentiles. He finally ended up, when he, when he uh, ended his career, preaching career, he made three journeys, complete tours around the known world at that time, Mediterranean world. When he came back to Jerusalem, to his own community, he came to those who believed in Jesus Christ. There was a great number of Jews who had believed. And they were all gathered together. And, and uh, so when Saul came, or Paul came into the city... He went first of all to these folks and, and the one that was involved in, in charge of all the people that were believers. Uh, he came to James and James said, look here, look here, Paul. Look how many Jews there are that believe. And so he introduced them to him. Now, during this time, the, those who believed, who were Jews, who were the, should have been the ones at the party and inviting other people to the party... Here were the people that Paul thought would accept him because he was preaching Jesus Christ and he was preaching that everyone should come to the banquet. So they, they thought that he was inviting the wrong people. They thought that he was inviting other people besides themselves. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Why didn't these people want the Gentiles to come to the party? But they thought that Paul was bringing people into their community that didn't belong. They had no part of that. So in Acts chapter 21, at verse 21, Paul was in the city of Jerusalem and he was taken captive by, by the people because they were, they were concerned that he was preaching and, and setting forth 
some things that they did not want to hear, that they were finding out that the party was not only open to them, or the feast was not only open to them, but it was open to everyone else. And so they, they became upset with him. And so in Acts chapter 21, when Paul was, when Paul was preaching to them at verse 21, it says that, uh, he said, We are informed of you that you teach all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that we ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. What is it, therefore, the multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. So they were saying, you're, you're telling people that, that it's not just us that God wants here. You're, you're opening it up. And in chapter 22, as he's talking, and, it, and we're, we're beginning at verse 17, Paul is taken into custody, and he's delivered over to the Roman centurion, and he's speaking to these people again and trying to justify his actions. And it says, It came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance and saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get you quickly out of Jerusalem. They'll not receive your testimony concerning me. And so he goes back and rehearses his, his life with them. And then it, it says that he said, I, I said, Lord, you know that I am prison and beat in every synagogue, then that believed on you. And when the blood of your, your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing about and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. So he goes back and tells about his personal history, how he was persecuting the Jews, and then that God converted him on the road to Damascus. And he said unto me, this is what he said Jesus told him to do. Depart, I will send you far hence unto the Gentiles. And at that point, they gave him audience unto this word and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth. It's not fit that he should live. They're saying they have no part in this. That's what the Jews were saying. And my friends, that's what they're still saying. They're still saying that. They said that did. And that's what some of our, our folks that believe in Jesus are saying. They're saying that the Jews are still special people. These are people that God loves more than anybody else. These are the ones that are, have a right to be in the party, but you don't. And one of these days, maybe you can get in. But that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying everybody has been invited. And when they heard that, they said, away with such a fellow. He's not fit to live. Don't let him invite anybody else to the feast. That's exactly what they're saying. Let's, let's go back to the illustration. Let's go back to the illustration of the feast. There is, to us today, now that we were talking about the fact that Israel was God's special people, and that when Jesus came, He gave them a special invitation to come, come to the feast, and they said, no, we're not coming. And even when the gospel was preached to them, and it was preached first to the Jew and also the Gentile, they said, no, we don't want to come. We don't want to come, but we don't want anybody else to come either. That was the problem. That was the problem until they finally realized that, that God has thrown this feast open to everybody. They, they didn't accept it. But there is an open invitation. That's what he told the, the, the apostles. And uh, he, he said in Luke chapter 20, 22, at verse 29 and 30, he said, I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father has appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You can sit at my table in my kingdom. Now, that's an open invitation to everyone, Jew and Gentile. And Jesus said in the book of Revelation chapter 3 at verse 20, He said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come to him and will sup with him. He with me. Now, there is an open invitation and God has made that invitation, and let's just, let's just think about it at this point. He's made that invitation. He said, I, I want you to come to my feast. It's not an imaginary feast. It's not imaginary. You say, well, who's going to be there? Well, in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, the text says that he has a, he has a kingdom in heaven and in earth. There are citizens in heaven and in earth. So the citizenship here will be at the feast. And then there are others at the feast as well, and that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the faithful of time gone past. 
And, and uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 even talks about that when it says, We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So it's not an imaginary feast. You say, well, when I come to the feast, who will be there? Well, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the faithful old will be there. Not in your presence, but they're there because they're in heaven. It's like saying, okay, I'm part of an organization, and my part of the organization is located here in the United States. Then the same organization is over here in France, and there are people over there. That doesn't mean that we aren't together or that we aren't associated. We are. So here is an organization called the kingdom. And it's in heaven. And all those who have gone on before, all the faithful are there. They're there as well. And we're here. So it's not an imaginary thing. It is something that actually is happening. We are with God here and they are with God there. It's just a matter of location of where we are. Now... When we are invited to the feast, God says, "God said, come." And now think about this in terms of the feast that He He gave to Israel. He said, "Now He said, come. I've made I've made everything ready for you. Everything's ready, and I've given you an invitation. John the Baptist, Jesus, uh, Moses, Elijah, all of them set forth the invitation in the apostles and prophets, not the apostles but the prophets. They set forth the invitation. He said, "Okay, come," and then He sent His servants to get them. Who did he send? Well, Jesus sent the twelve apostles. He said, go get these people. He said, go preach the kingdom of heaven. It's at hand. Go get them. And you know what? They said, nah, we're not coming. They had been invited. And Jesus came and said, okay, go get them. Bring them to the feast. Everything's ready. They said, no, we're not coming. We're just not coming. Now, and they didn't come. They didn't come. They, they took Jesus to the cross and nailed him to the cross. They said, we're not coming to any, any party that you're throwing. We're not coming. So they put Jesus on the cross. God be thanked that that wasn't the last invitation that was ever offered. The next invitation came to everybody. Came to everybody. And that invitation is given through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the, it is the, the invitation that is expressed in the preaching of the word. And we know who's going to be there, don't we? We know that Jesus Christ is going to be there. We know that the redeemed of all ages is going to be there. We know that the faithful will all be there at that at the great party. Now, and we also know what's on the menu. First of all, he's going to give us the water of life. John chapter 4 verse 10 says, you know, and we ask the question, well, will there be an open bar at this party? You bet there'll be an open bar and it's going to be of water of life. That's what it's going to be. It's not going to be something that make you drunk out of your senses and out of your skull. It's going to be water of life and it'll give you life. Jesus talked to the woman at the well of Samaria and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says you give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. John chapter 4 verse 10. And we also know that the food that he's going to feed us is the bread of life. When uh, Jesus was talking to a group that he had fed fishes and loaves, and they'd followed him clear up to the, across the north end of the Sea of Galilee to, find, to get him to feed them again, Jesus said, uh, he said, I'm going to give you the bread. Moses gave you the manna from heaven, but I'm going to give you the bread, the real bread from heaven. And in John chapter 6, verse 34 and 35, they said unto him, Lord, give us this bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. So we know the menu will include the best drink and the best bread and the best fruit. Best fruit. Reading Revelation chapter 20 verse 22 verse 2 says, In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life which bore twelve manners of fruits and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now think about it. It's going to yield the fruit every month. Not just once a month, not just once a year, but every month it will yield its fruit and the leaves were for the healing of the nations. They knew also they knew that the main guest was going to be Jesus. How could they not know? Of course it would be Jesus when they were invited to the feast. 
Let's look at that feast again. I, I want to go back at that and, and make sure we know what's going on. At least hope we know what's going on. Why didn't these people come to the feast? And you say, well, they had excuses. But I, I, I think I need to probe that deeper. I, I need to understand so I can understand my, myself. Why would I not come to the feast today? Water of life, bread of life, fruit that springs up every month, tree of life. Why wouldn't I come to that? Well, I, I go back and look at them and say, okay, why didn't they come? Why didn't they come when Jesus came and said, all things are ready. Come to the feast. Why didn't they come? I think, first of all, they knew who would be the main guest. They knew that it was going to be Jesus. How could they not know? Of course they knew it was going to be Him. And they despised Him. Why didn't they come to the meal? Because Jesus was the main guest. And they didn't like Him. They hated Him. John 15, verse 23 through 25 says, He that hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which none of the man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my Father. But this comes to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Psalms 35, 19. Why didn't they come? Now you think about it. If you're invited to a party, and your worst enemy on earth is going to be there, you're not going to go. Isn't that right? Somebody invites you to a party and you say, who's going to be the main guest? Well, it's going to be your enemy. I'm not coming. I'm sorry, I'm not coming. That's what they said. It's going to be Jesus. We're not coming. We don't like him. Matter of fact, we not only don't like him, we hate him. Also, they knew the seating order. They knew where they'd be sitting. If we go to a party, where are we going to sit? If it's going to be a nice party... There are going to be people who are going to be sitting in the seats of honor, then on down the way until you finally get off from the corner where some of us are going to find ourselves. They didn't want that. They wanted to be right at the top. Right at the top. You know what? They knew they weren't going to be seated there. Why should they come to this party if they're going to be seated down here? That's what Jesus had already told them anyway. The least shall be the greatest, the greatest shall be the least. They weren't going to come to a party like that. They weren't going to do that. They, they, they knew the seating order. They wanted the exclusive rights to be the most honored guest at that party. They weren't coming. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, it says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured. These were the leaders in Israel. The Pharisees and scribes murmured. Why? Because publicans and sinners were sitting down to eat with Jesus. And they murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Why didn't they come to the party? Because they were not going to rub elbows with sinners and publicans. No. You're going to invite them. I'm not coming. Think about that just a minute. And this wasn't their type of party. It wasn't how they were accustomed to being treated. They'd ask questions like, uh, Well, who's going to be there? Is anyone of note going to be there? Anyone, any famous person going to be there? Well, yeah. Jesus. Well, wait a minute. We're not coming if he's coming. Your enemies may be there. Oh, I'm not coming if my enemy's going to be there. Well, we're going to invite the publicans and sinners too. Well, I'm not coming if they're coming. I'm not going to eat with them. Even the, even the, the uh, prostitutes will be there, Remember? They came to the house of Simon and ate with, and this prostitute was there and she washed Jesus' feet with her tears. Well, they're not about to go to a party where you've got a, a woman washing his feet with tears, driving with hairs of her head. Well, it doesn't fit my calendar. This isn't my calendar. This isn't the time. You know, they were saying that too. This, this, is, this really isn't when it ought to be. Although God said, here's when the party's going to take place. Here's when the feast's going to take place. They're saying, no, uh, that day is not reserved for you. I, I can't put you down. I've checked my calendar. Uh, I'm not going to be there. 
It was a concerted rejection. It wasn't just one or two people or three people that said, no, wait a minute, I've got to go do this, I've got to go do that, I've got to do this. It wasn't that. It was a whole bunch of them. Concerted. It says, they with all with one accord. They all did it together. We're not coming. Why? Well, we've given some reasons. All with one consent. If you won't go, they said, neither will I. You don't go, I'm not going. It wasn't compelling enough for them. They felt like it could safely be ignored and there'd be another time, there'd be another, another popular event. But this event had no celebrities. They didn't feel like the people that would be there would be dignified enough for their presence. They had an idea that it was not going to go as they had planned. Their thoughts likely turned to how another event turned out for them. You know, I'm thinking, well, why didn't these people make an effort? Why didn't, why didn't they say, okay, uh, this, is, this is the great feast. Why, why, why can't we go? I'm sure they thought about another incident that took place in their history. You remember the fellow by the name of Jonah? Jonah was sent of God to go to the city of Tarshish, and he was sent to Nineveh. He was from Tarshish. He was sent to Nineveh to cry out against the city and tell them that God was going to destroy them. And Jonah decided right away, I'm not going. You know why he said, I'm not going? He said, I'm not going because I know you, God. I know what's going to happen. He said, I'm going to get over there and I'm going to tell them they're going to be destroyed and you're going to change your mind. You're not going to kill them. I'm not going. That's exactly why he didn't go. That's why he had to be tossed off a boat, swallowed by a big fish, and puked up on the shore. That's why. Because in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, it says, It displeased Jonah when he saw that God did not destroy Nineveh, because the Ninevites repented. Ninevites repented. And he said, It displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry. Well, he was angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this what I said? Isn't this what I said? When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before thee unto Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God. I knew you are a gracious God. You weren't going to kill all these people. I knew that. So I wasn't going to come. Now, here was Jesus inviting them to the great banquet. And these people are saying, you know, I, it's, I know it's not, it's not going to work out that way. It's, not, it's just not going to work out that way. I, we remember what Jonah did. God is going to be merciful, and He's going to not only invite us, He's going to invite other people. And we don't want that. We are the ones. We are the ones that God loves. We don't want anybody else involved in this. They had their suspicions, just like Jonah did. And it was likely that they weren't going to be comfortable there. The main concerns over conduct or simple thoughts, that was what their concern was. How am I expected to behave when I come? What, 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 what am I going to do? What will I wear? Is it tucks or tails? Is it formal or casual? What kind of feast is it? They were concerned about how they should behave. Am I going to have to change something about myself when I go? These things we know about that feast and that party. We also know these things about the feast that God has called us to. He has called us all to His feast. He said, come, for the feast is ready. He's invited all of us. We're expected to come properly clothed. Did you know that? That may be why some of us don't go. That may be why... We're not going to be there. Let's see if I can get this other chart up. Maybe John can get it for us. Huh. I won't be there. Well, this is the point. We are expected to come properly clothed. We have to take off our old garments of sin and don the robes of righteousness. When God said, come to the feast, all is ready. I'm going to say, is it formal or casual? How do I come? And Jesus said, take off the old garments of unrighteousness of sin 
and put on the clothes, the clothes of righteousness. Now, that ought to appeal to me. It should, but, but it might be off-putting to us. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14 says that we are to wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb and make them white. That's what these people did that were surrounding the throne of God. And we're told that in Hebrews chapter uh, 10 and verse 22 that our conscience is purified, washed, our bodies are washed in pure water, our conscience are purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. So if I'm going to come to the feast, I must first of all believe that Jesus is the Christ. I must be baptized into Jesus Christ and put off the old man, Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, rise out from the waters of baptism, a new person. Then I put off the robes of unrighteousness and I, I, come, I come to the party as a new man. Now that may be why I'm not coming to the party. Jesus said, come. God said, come. I've got everything ready. And I may be like one of these guys. I'm going to find an excuse. I, I don't, I'm not coming because I've got to change clothes. I've got to wear the proper clothes. I may not want to come. That may be a problem for us, huh? You know what? It, wouldn't, it, should be, it should be an appeal to us to come and be with people who have put off sin and unrighteousness. Jesus said when he's talking about the, the blessings, the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. What a wonderful thing it is when we sit around the banquet table of God with others of like faith, and we know that we don't have to worry about somebody getting drunk and standing up and insulting our wives or our children with, profan with profanity. We don't have to worry about somebody saying something that will insult us and, and take away from us, take away from our character. We don't have to worry about people acting out and doing things that are unrighteous when we want to be with people that are at the feast, who are dressed properly, who are trying to live properly, who want to walk with God. And that's a wonderful thing. You know, when I first obeyed the gospel for the second time, when I was a kid, I was baptized, and I was baptized again when I was 18 years old. But I knew at that time I wanted to get away from those parties where I was concerned that something bad was going to happen at that party. And I wanted to go to God's party. I wanted to be with people who wanted to hunger and thirst after righteousness. People that weren't going to say things that were vile and uncouth and hurtful and harmful. And, and I, I didn't want to be around people that got so drunk that they, they didn't know what they were saying. I didn't want to be around those people. I wanted to be with people whose morals and ethics and concept of righteousness was above the level of this low earth. I wanted to be with people like that. I wanted to come to the right party. That was the feast of God. We know that it's His party. And it's not ours. He sets the, rule, he sets the ground rules. I know that, uh, that He wants us to celebrate with Him a victory over sin. That's, that's the party He's invited me to. He's invited me to a feast that is celebratory in its nature. We have won, God said. My son, I sent him to the cross, and we won the victory. And he said, now you can come and you can feast on the flesh of kings and captains and leaders and even the flesh of horses. You can win the battle against the devil. You can win that battle. Revelation 19, verse 17 and 18 says that. That we eat the flesh of kings, captains, mighty men, even horses. Well, he's talking about overcoming the battle that the devil is waging on this earth. We can overcome that when we come to the feast of God. He said it's a celebratory feast. And there will be people here. There will be people of all castes. It doesn't make any difference what station of life they're in. All backgrounds. All ethnicities. He's not going to say, okay, it's just all you Italians. You're the ones that we invited to the feast. Just you Italians. If you don't speak Italiano, don't come. Stay away. No. He said, everybody. Everybody comes. Everybody comes to this feast. And that's why these people in Jerusalem and in the area where Jesus was, they didn't want to come. 
They didn't want to come and rub elbows with people of other ethnicities and of other, other colors. They didn't want to be together with people like that. They wanted to be the only ones, the elite, the only ones that God cared about. All ethnicities, all income levels, all cultures, all classes of society. That's the great feast that God has invited us to. And you know what? There's something else. We know who the keynote speaker is going to be. Somebody says, hey, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a big banquet, a big gala event. And we're going to ask this sports figure over here. He's going to speak for us tonight. Will you come? And people will flock to that thing. Sure. They'll flock to it. You know who our keynote speaker is? Jesus of Nazareth. He's the keynote speaker. And you know what his topic will be? He's going to speak about love and forgiveness. Come to the feast. Come to the feast. You've been invited. You've been invited. It's all ready. He said, I've made the great feast. It's all ready. That was the parable. And that was the illustration back in Luke 14. The great feast was there. The mega feast was there. Everything was ready. You've been invited. And somebody's going to be sent to get you. Who is it? Maybe it's a friend that knows about Jesus. He's come to you and said, Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Would you like to, would you like to be part of His kingdom? He sent a servant somewhere to get you. Have, you. have you heard that servant yet? Have you heard them come to you and say, Come on to the feast? Have you heard it? Have you heard him? He said, Come on. What did you say? Well, you know, let me check my calendar. Let, let me see. All these are excuses, but they're excuses for the wrong reasons. The right reasons are he's made a great banquet for us. The right reasons are everybody is welcome. The right reasons are Jesus is the keynote speaker. The right reasons are that you hunger and thirst after righteousness. You want to be where goodness is. The right reasons are God wants you there. Listen to the invitation and come. God help you. All things are ready. Come to the feast. Come for the table now is spread. Ye famishing, ye weary, come and thou shalt be richly fed. Praise God for the salvation, salvation.